Patrick Pooch from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, this is MJ from the Coaches Panel. The number 21 player in the 50 most relevant was a guy that, for the past couple of years, during the trade window, he's been talked about. Eventually, he made his way to the Geelong Football Club. I'm talking about the 29-year-old Jack Stephen, helping me on this episode uh, and making his debut, uh, known as Cheezo. If you're a fan of the great works of Dr. Supercoach, you've heard his fine dulcet tones. Hello, mate. Hey, MJ, really good to hear from you. Thanks for the invite. I'm, it's early in the preseason, but I'm really excited to start talking uh, some fantasy football with you. Well, we've got some guys now. Yes, from the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You can check out the lads on Patreon too. They do some fantastic, well worth supporting those guys as well as supporting us here at the Coaches Panel. Coachespanel.tv for your links on that one. But let's talk about Jack Stephen because he's a real fascinating bloke, 29 years old. What probably makes him really relevant for us this year is he has been awarded forward eligibility. Even as a midfielder, even with the discount, might not have been as relevant, but the forward status that he's gained puts him right in the mix for us last year. Just a handful of games for Jack Stephen. A 105 in Fremantle was his best score in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. It was 95 in Supercoach in that same game. He's priced pretty much mid-70s across the format in terms of his averages. His price point, real big variance across all of the formats. Just over 350k in Supercoach, uh, around about 650k in AFL Fantasy and just a touch under 500,000 when we talk in AFL Dream Team. And Chizo, we talk about this guy who just two or three years ago, what was probably more draft-friendly of the formats than anywhere else or a nice guy to stream and run for a couple of weeks, he's been historically a really consistent, really durable performer for us. But last year, just wasn't his year, was it? Uh, 2019 definitely wasn't his year. But if you look in you know, the four years previous, um, from 2015 to 2018, he's playing 86 of a possible 88 home and away games. So um, we've got a lot of talk this preseason that, you know, he's injury prone. And that's basically, you know, based off one season, um, one season's worth of data. If you, you look back a couple of years and just try and, you know, take in a, a bit more of a, uh, an understanding of his uh, his reliability. I, you know, I'm happy with with that kind of um, reliability with someone like Jack Stephen. Yeah, it's pretty rare, especially in Dream Team and Supercoach, given what his price point is in, in those two formats at the game, where it's in Supercoach, you know, well near 350k in Dream Team, under 500,000 through there as well. We talk about a guy that does have pretty strong durability in his physical body. Last year, a number of times he took some mental health and some well-being breaks. And look, well done to him for doing that. Not too often does anyone, uh, but let alone people in the elite sporting field, um, take time off to take care of themselves. We're seeing it a little more common. Uh, Glenn Maxwell, in a cricketing sense, has been the most recent that has done that. Uh, Will Petrovsky, uh, in another cricketing sense, has done that as well. So we And Dane Beam's probably the, the best known from an AFL sense that is putting their mental health and well-being first and that was more so than the physical ailments of Jack Stephen it was making sure that he was mentally in a strong place that has been the real reason we didn't see him much last year and when we did see him he probably wasn't then because he wasn't taking uh, the same uh, 
standards of training that you have to to be in an AFL perspective. We didn't seem not near his best, and that's where I suppose he got that forward role for those last couple of games of the year. Yeah, and, and considering that he missed a large chunk during the middle of the year, uh, it's unlikely that he would be coming straight back into a mid, you know, full-time mid-role. So uh, when you kind of look at it from the outside, you can understand why he might have spent more time forward um, after he came back towards the end of the year. So uh, I, I don't see that necessarily as a negative. A lot of people are kind of seeing that and saying, oh, he played forward towards the end of 2019. You know, elite sport he's definitely going to need some time to kind of get the, the, the fitness back into the leg. So playing a bit of forward towards the end of last year, I'm, I'm not too concerned about at this stage. Yeah, no, I agree with you. If you look back at his last full season of AFL back in 2018, he averaged uh, around about the 97 marker in Dream Team and Fantasy, 10 tonnes, and he showed some ceiling. Yes, he was playing through the midfield, and then we'll talk about whether or not he does that at Geelong soon. But scores like 138, 136, 134, 133 scattered across the season are more than handy given the price point we're paying at. Supercoach, the nine tons, but arguably a slightly bigger ceiling there, that 154 to end the 2018 season against the Kangaroos with 34 touches and a couple of goals. 136 earlier in the year against Carlton, and then right at the start of the 2018 season, a 135. He does have that ceiling, and he does have the durability. Again, didn't see that last year, but... Chizo, you mentioned a great point about what he's done in the past few years. 2015 in Dream Team and Fantasy, 22 games and 111 average. That year in Supercoach, 103. The following year, 104 average in Dream Team and Fantasy, 102 in Supercoach. And then 2017, a 93.8 average in in Dream Team and Fantasy, a 90.7 in Supercoach. We're really getting a guy priced considerably below the markings. You know, in some formats, around about a 70 is what he's priced than others, it's well cheaper. Gosh, he's value potentially. And that's what we want with a, a mid-300 price, um, you know, mid-pricer, particularly when you're picking in, in your forward line. In Supercoach, for example, he's priced at 67 mm. after averaging 74 last year. So he's always, already got a little bit of a discount from the fact he's only played seven games. Uh, and again, if you look at that previous history between uh, 2015 to 2018, uh, he's averaged 98.33 in Supercoach across those 86 games. So um, over the long term, uh, you know, he, he is playing primarily as a midfielder when mm. he was at the Saints, and he's, he's not going to be 100% through the midfield in a team like Geelong with the superstars they have. Uh, but it's also important to remember that the people that are saying he's going to spend, you know, 75% forward, he's just, he's not like the, no. the outgoing Tim Kelly that was an exceptional forward or midfielder. Yeah. His strength is in the leg speed coming out of a contest. And so a high half forward or even a wing position um, is probably his secondary spot if he's not playing midfield. So um, he's, he's definitely not going to get that full mid time, but yep. um, his strengths really play towards uh, being, you know, a fantasy friendly option for us this year. He does. He's got that perfect mix of inside and outside ability. I think he's going to thrive on the fact where those years that we did see him at his best at St Kilda, he was, let's be honest, really a lone hand through that midfield. Um, and coming into a team like Geelong where you've got the superstar of Patrick Dangerfield, where he ends up in the 50 most relevant is going to be interesting. How much more mid-time he does or doesn't get with the departure of Kelly. But then you've got Duncan, Selwood, is some of the big names that roll through there. Then there's the thought that, yes, Stephen should be in the mix. Constable, is he going to work his way in? Narkel, Cockatoo, Dalhouse. They're bustling with things, but I think you do bring up a great point. 
the forward line, there's not really room for him, is he? You throw those big boys of Radagalia and Hawkins in the mix. I, I don't know if, you know, he's bumping out a Dalhouse or a Rowan to take those forward defensive roles. That's right. I, I don't see him like doing even a Toby McLean that goes from basically a pure midfielder to a pure forward in the space of one off season. Mm. Uh, I, I don't think that kind of lends well to extracting the most out of him, especially with the, the entrance of Josh Jenkins to yeah. um, Geelong as well, just makes it even more difficult. Um, and so you'd probably say he's a lower risk um, option in terms of mid prices, particularly um, in your forward line. Um, and the fact that even last year that everyone is hailing is, you know, his worst year in a decade, hmm. three of the seven games, he's still gone 90 plus in Supercoach. And as a forward option, if you've got someone averaging close to 90 and you can get them at a price of, you know, below 70, you know, that's a great stepping stone. I think that's, um, you know, even if he doesn't become a long-term keeper, yep. the amount of money that you'll make from that 20-point average, if that's, you know, his price range that he jumps between, you can do definitely do something with that amount of money. Yeah, and given the price discount he's got, and Dream Team and Supercoach, it's more friendly uh, with, with them awarding the discount on not just his best of his past two years, which AFL Fantasy has done. I still think he's value there, but certainly it's Dream Team and Supercoach that he's much more friendly to us. There is yeah. enough Fat on the bone, I suppose, if you want to use a term, where even if he does only average mid-80s, he's still giving us some good scores and some cash generation. Yes, it's not the 90-plus keeper option that we'd like, but even if he goes mid-80s, that's probably warrants enough a selection for us. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. His, his range is probably mid 80s to very low 90s, if yeah. we're totally honest, because he's not going to play full-time mid. And you know what? That kind of range is okay for the price you're getting at him uh, in the, the, the limited trades format. Um, yeah. And if you're talking AFL Fantasy, he's always been a better um, you know, dream team and AFL Fantasy type True. player. It's probably, even with a, a less of a price reduction in, in that format, he's probably still a really good option. Yeah, he's still value right through there. A, a question just randomly. Can you start both Jack Stephen and Devin Smith? He appeared a little bit earlier in the 50 most relevant. Can you start both of them? Or is that running too many mid, uh, you know, kind of too many mid price risks in the one line? I think every year we want to. We've got maybe five, six mid prices that we think are really, really good options. And the problem is when you pick six of them, or you know, yeah. the more more risk you add into your side, because guess what? One of them is going to fail. Yeah. And if we're comparing apples with apples in terms of those mid prices in the forward line, I like the positives of Jack Stephen over Devon Smith because I think Devon Smith provides the Bombers with more forward line craft pressure, yeah. um, and pressure. And it's unlikely that he's going to go back to, uh, you know, 2018 totally inside um, mid-roll that we saw him. Um, and he's, he was never a high accumulator ever. Anyway, he was relying on tackles. So apples with apples, I actually um, prefer Jack Stephen. Uh, but the, the, the point you make about picking both um, is that it actually gets... Um, a rookie off field if you've got mm. um, a couple of those there as well so in the totality of your team if it helps you get uh, let's say the rookies in the forward line aren't as strong as elsewhere yeah. it might actually help your structure by getting one of those rookies off field because you've got more reliance on those in other lines yeah oh, i totally agree and like the strategy with every mid-price selection always in the limited trades 
factor in that you're going to have to trade them. If you get lucky and you don't need to, that's fine. But don't look at Devin. Don't look at Jack and go, well, he's a keeper for the year, so I I won't need to worry about it. (laughs) You might get lucky. And look, let's all hope that happens because that's what we all want, these mid-price guys to fly for us. But in the limited trades formats, factor in, I'm going to need to make an upgrade here. And if you don't, Count yourself lucky you got an extra trade to look at in the year. Look, I really like him across the formats this year. The key thing's going to be the role he plays in the Marsh preseason games. And the caveat is which other midfielders aren't playing because that could be the thing that trips us up. Yeah, absolutely. And we always see the likes of Danger play one of four quarters in the actual role we expect him to play. So (laughs) trying to extrapolate the data in the preseason is always the tricky part. Um, but watching him with a keen eye, that's for sure. Yeah, I think he's a ripping option for us in our starting squads this year. And there's value. That's why, he's a, for me, he's a starting squad option. Yes, you might pick him up at a fuller price as an upgrade later in the year, but you're going to miss out on the value. So that's where I'd be certain to look at doing it. Let's talk about drafts, though. Chizo, where does he go in terms of a super coach format, which is certainly much more your wheelhouse? He's down near some dangerous names that we don't like to talk about like the territory of Nick Holman, David Cunningham, and Jason Castagna. <laughs> that's he, where he's he at. He stands out like a sore thumb, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's probably a good thing because if people draft based off previous seasonal averages, he'll slide. Or auto picker. There's always that one always ghost one. ship in your draft that gets the auto picker. If you're, you're in there and you see them take Sean McKernan, you know exactly what's just happened. Um, but you're right. Because of that previous um, history from last year, he's going to fall down fall down the rankings. You're going to be able to get a steal, provided you're not playing in a league with absolute experts across the board. Mm. Um, but because there is that element of risk, um, he has the potential to be, say, a top 10 forward if yeah. he gets um, everything right. Now, all the stars align. No question. But you really don't want to be overspending on him. So maybe an F3 and hopefully an F4 on field if you can uh, yeah. nab him at a steal. That'd be great. Oh, I think that's the perfect spot. I think you're spot on right, man. F4's the dream. If you're desperate to own him, to be secure, you might have to go an F3. But F4 is the perfect sweet spot to be able to get him. Hey, mate, appreciate your thoughts today on Jack Stephen. No worries at all, MJ. Thanks for the invite. If you want to go and check out Cheezo and the great work he and the team at the Dr. Supercoach podcast, you can go and grab that wherever you get your podcasts. You can also support them and the incredible content they are doing over at patreon.com forward slash Dr. Supercoach. Some incredible stuff those guys do. We continue on in the 50 most relevant. Tomorrow, we get to the number 20. I was honest. These guys caught me off guard, but there was no way I couldn't include him this high in the 50 most relevant because I think if he's named round one, you're picking him.